You're listening to Sports Star podcasts. For our full multi-sport coverage, head over to sportstar.thehindu.com. Nothing is so fleeting as sporting achievement, and nothing so lasting as the recollection of it. This is the Couch Talk podcast. Hello and welcome to Couch Talk. I'm your host Subhash Jairaman. Joining me on this episode of the podcast is uh, English quick bowler Harry Gurney. Thanks a lot for being on the show, Gurney. Good to be here. It's an absolute pleasure talking to you. Let's talk about bowling in the short formats, especially T20s, and the two deliveries that help you make a living around the world: um, slowers and yorkers. How many different types of slower deliveries do you bowl? Off cutter, leg cutters, knuckle ball? Split finger, back of the hand. In terms of the way I actually release it from my hand too, um, one out the back of the hand and a cutter, an off cutter. Um, <clears throat> but obviously, you can vary the length and the line of them, and you can also change your angle by coming over and around the wicket, um, which is something I've always come around the wicket a lot to right-handers. But I've started in the last year coming around to left-handers as well um, with a, a fair degree of success. So. Um, Within all these variations, if you keep changing the angle, if you keep changing the, the, the line and the length of those deliveries, depending on who you're bowling at as well, then it can make you quite unpredictable, really, even though it's actually only two different varieties of slow ball. So, when you try to master, uh, in your case, you said, two, essentially two slower deliveries. So, when you choose to add something to your armory, what is the um, time between conception to actually employing it in a match? And what is the process? I think it depends on what the skill is. So um, if it's, say, working on a wide slower ball rather than a straight slower ball, which I've started to do more of, um, that you can implement pretty quickly. But when I first developed my back-of-the-hand slower ball, that was a, that was a longer process before I had the, um, the balls to bowl it in a game. I, I, I was, I'd been working on it in the nets for a while and had some really good feedback from the batters I was bowling at. Um, and this was probably in sort of 2008, 2009. Um, we were playing a one-day game. I was playing for Leicestershire at the time against Kent at Grace Road in a, in a one-day game, and the game was gone. They needed about 20 off 10 overs or something, two down, whatever it was. Um, I'll never forget, Darren Stevens was batting, and, mm-hmm. I, and I got thrown the ball, and it was um, one of those spells where I just thought, I'm going to experiment because the game's dead anyway. So I bowled this back and down slow ball, it came out perfectly. It didn't get him out, um, but that gave me then the confidence to, to use that ball in, in games going forward. And um, obviously, it's a delivery that's, that's brought me a fair amount of success. And then the first, my first memory of it being really successful was throughout the 2011 season for for Leicestershire in the T20 Plus, where I picked up a lot of wickets with it. And then at the end of the season, went to the Champions League, played in Hyderabad, and we played against called Haruna, a, a Sri Lankan team. Yeah. Um, and this particular delivery st- stands out in my memory. It was Sanath Jaisaria. Um, it just smacked me for four of the ball before. This was in the power play at the start. And I bowled at the back of the hand and it sort of pitched, pitched middle and clipped the top of his off stump. Um, <laughs> just came out perfectly. And yeah, that, that, that's a, a delivery that really sticks out in my mind. So I guess it was a two or three year period to get to that point. But... Um, yeah, if it's something that's completely new and feels risky, I think wait for a time in a game where 
uh, there's not a lot on it and it's not important, um, which is which is what that Ken game did for me. So what's is uh, the back of the hand slower? Is is it the toughest slower to uh, mark, you know, learn to bowl and then master and then takes the most courage to bowl as well? Yeah, maybe it's certainly it's certainly harder than a cutter. I think pretty much every bowler in the world can run a bowler cutter. Um, <clears throat> so it's certainly tougher than that. I mean, increasing amounts of bowlers do have a back of the hand now. I think the knuckleball is another one that's probably a, a similar level of difficulty, which is becoming more more and more common in the game around the world. Um, I'm personally a big fan of Ben Lockwood's slow ball. His, that that um, I've not had a chance to. I want to try and grab him. He's staying in the same hotel as us, so I want to try and grab him at some point for a bit because he. Uh, it's almost like a curveball. You manage to get drift on it, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, you, there's always other things you're looking at. And, um, I'm playing around a little bit with a knuckleball at the moment. But, um, yeah, as I say, the, the two slower deliveries that I have mixed in with pace on balls um, from various different angles and different lines and lengths is, is quite a lot of variation in itself. You mentioned about the off-cut uh, being one of the easiest ball, But... At the international level, uh, I'm sure batsmen can pick very quickly, but still bowlers bowl and still end up being successful. So what aspects of the off-cutter, the innocuous off-cutter, that still works? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think I think when I turned up at this tournament, I'm almost certain that the analyst at every other team that I played against would have told them what variations I bowl, but you've still got to be able to hit it at the end of the day. And, um, I think any pitch where there's a little bit of purchase for the spinners uh, means that a seamer is going to get a little bit of purchase with their, with their um, off-cutter. And, you know, there are varying degrees of off-cutter as well, aren't there? I mean, I've, I've, I've studied uh, Mustafiza mm-hmm. because I think his off-cutter is obviously probably the best in the world. I've watched him. I've started bowling mine cross-seam rather than seam-up um, because then it's more likely to hit seam. Uh, and have more success since I started doing that, and, and I use it more. I've used it more on the pitches out here in the Caribbean than probably anywhere in the world. So um, it's a case of adapting to whatever surface you're playing on as well. What makes uh, talking about the fizz? You know, what makes his off cutter uh, that much difficult to play? I think the amount of purchase he gets on it, the amount of revs he gets on it. He's um, he's got freakish wrist, um, and he's able to to get a huge amount of revs on it, and, and a lot. Of, a, Therefore, more deviation off the pitch probably than your average. Does, so you know, I, I'm going back to listening to commentary on television where Shane one uh, talking about spin bowling. You know, Murley and himself. More refs you put on the ball, you get dip as well. So mm-hmm. that's also a challenge that it's not coming at the same length that you think it is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You sometimes get some dip. You might even get, like I said, in the lock of the case, a little bit of drip. And yeah, you know, any deviation off the pitch is is difficult for a batsman to deal with, probably a bit more difficult to deal with than, than swing bowling, so, um, because it's, it's later, the movement's later. Hmm. At any moment in a match, as a bowler, you know, you want to bowl a slower delivery, but what gives you the confidence that it is going to be successful? I think having the correct field set for that delivery and uh, experience of past successes. But when you said the field, obviously there's so much analysis going on. Uh, when you said a field, um, there's another uh, phrase that you hear on commentary, oh, you telegraph the field. So the batsman knows what's coming, so then, you know, it's, it's kind of an open secret what's coming next. Um, so how do you ensure that you're successful? One of my main philosophies, and I started 
working to this philosophy a long time ago, but any field that I set in a game, um, at the depth I'm talking about here, I would I need to be able to bowl at least two different deliveries to it. Mm. Um, so if I set a spinner's field with fine leg up, third man up, point up, and say actually cover up, cover up, so basically everyone in front of square out of the boundary pretty much, um, I can bowl a Yorker and a slow ball to that. Um, and you can actually even get away with a slow ball bouncer uh, if the line's right because it's going to get pulled in front of square and all that. As my career has gone on and I've become more successful, actually what I've realised is I can bowl far more than two variations to that same field. Hmm. Um, and also, what's becoming increasingly popular in T20 cricket at the moment is bluffing. So a lot of bowlers, what they'll do is they'll bring five, five leg and third man up and they'll bowl them out still. Um, because they're playing mind games with the batsman. So, in addition to the fact that I can bowl three or four different deliveries to the same field, actually, if you throw in a couple of bluffs as well, you can pretty much bowl to the same field at the depth regardless of what delivery you're bowling. Correct. Um, some captains might not like that. I certainly wouldn't run in and bowl a lot of short balls with five leg and third man up, but I think the odd the odd one thrown into the mix um, to keep the batsman on his toes doesn't hurt. So how does as a player and you're judged based on results, not the even though as players and team you're focused on processes but you're judged on results, there is no window to the outside world that tells what the process is going on mentally and what preparations you've done and sometimes you might be judged harshly. Oh, you had a field out, but then you bowled a short ball, and then the narrative takes off. Uh, you know, it's not a good bowler or a clever bowler. He doesn't. He's not. He doesn't bowl to the field and stuff. So, how does you're a veteran uh, of cricket? So, you know, you're, you're further down the career, but somebody starting new may not be so adventurous. So, how does one handle this situation? Firstly, I wouldn't. I don't bluff often, and I wouldn't recommend bluffing often. Um, <laughs> but to throw the odd one into the mix without having to change your field and telegraph it, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Um, and if you aren't bluffing too often, then you aren't going to get criticised for not bowling to your field too often. I think the key really is execution, preparing well and executing your deliveries. You know, whatever field you've got set. The, the other night at um, King, I had long off back. I had long on back. I had the correct field. I stood at the end of my mark and thought, I'm going to bowl a Yorker, which is not an incorrect decision. But I failed to execute it, and it landed in Tobago. <laughs> um, so, ultimately, whatever field you have set, whatever plan you've got, and whoever you're bowling at, ultimately, once you've made the decision on what ball you're going to bowl, it's all about execution. Um, and all you can do with regard to that is go through your processes that you touch on in practice. Just practice, practice, practice. It's so important. You know, I spend a lot of time practicing my Yorkers, a lot of time practicing my slow balls because I know that in the heat of the moment, if you execute it with the correct field set, then over a, a long uh, period of time, you're going to have more success than failure. Is there um, sort of a library of experience that you build upon, um, keep feeding into that allows you to further be more confident in thinking of a delivery to bowl while you're standing on the top of the mark, given the circumstances and the condition and the batsman that you're facing. Um, that you're willing to use a delivery that, or a bluff for that matter, that you may not have done um, in some time. Uh, is that what allows you to be successful? Yeah. In executing. 
Yeah, I think so. For me, actually, I know that my practice is good. I know that I practice hard. I know that I practice the right things. I know that I put myself under pressure in training. So all those boxes are ticked. For me, the biggest thing and what annoys me more than anything is when I make a poor decision on the pitch. Hmm. Um, And still now, after all these years, after most T20s, even on a night where I've had a good night, there are often one or two deliveries that you look back on and think, I probably made the wrong decision there. I just chose the wrong ball. And you, you've just got to try and learn from that. And, and um, you are always learning. And, and I think as your career goes on, you make fewer and fewer of those mistakes. But um, it still happens. And as I say, it's, that's the thing that uh, I really focus on now more than anything, is actually what, what is the correct delivery at this moment in time. So as you... After a match, um, as you review the decision-making process and uh, the um, level of ex- execution of it, you know, for a T20, it's 24 deliveries you're doing. Uh, if it's a 50-over match, it's 60 deliveries. And you, know, you might be reviewing um, first-class cricket, too. Now, what level of detail you uh, review. So what is that process, the review process? Is it just you with the laptop and the analyst or you just playing it back in your head, what is the process? Well, playing it back in my head, to be honest. You know, there are certain balls that, that you bowl in a game that you look back at. I mean, for example, the guy on the game the other night, uh, I sat in the changing room afterwards, and I don't need a laptop or an analyst to tell me. I, I went back through the game in my head, worked out which ones were poor execution, and uh, you can almost cast them aside, and then focus on which ones were poor decisions. And I think, to King... Um, he seemed to be more able to deal with me from around the wicket than mm. from over the wicket. So, looking back, should I have identified that sooner? Maybe. Um, will I bowl over the wicket to him more in the final on Saturday um, if we qualify? Yeah, probably. Um, because that was my assessment of that particular game. I didn't bowl as well as I, as well as I know I can, but um, at least I've come out with it out of it with a little positive. Uh, I remember listening to Ricky Ponting once, and uh, he said he would write things down um, before the, the, on the eve of match, uh, whether it is a test match or for Tasmania, whatever. He would actually write down his visualization. Do you have any techniques like that, or you just go by the feel of it? Yeah, no, not really. I'm um, increasingly uh, more just sort of go by the feel of it, as you say. It's, uh, I think as you progress through the game, you, you've, you often come up against people that you've played against several times before anyway, so you don't need to do too much analysis of them. It's important um, to get a rough idea of what people's strong areas are, and that's, that's all I've asked the bowling coach and analyst here at Barbados, really. Any player that I'm unfamiliar with, what's their strong areas? Mm-hmm. If they're looking to break shackles, where are they going to go? Um, and more often than not, it's the same answer. Middle kit, long on. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, I, I try to just focus on myself um, and I do spend a lot of time thinking about the game, thinking about my performances afterwards hmm. and I put them to bed and think about my opening performance. But, um, writing it down is not something I do, but uh, I can see why it would work. Um, I want to talk about um, these two deliveries that you called in the 2019 IPL against uh, Rajasthan. It was Josh Butler. Uh, he hit you for a six, slower delivery. Next delivery, you bowl another slower, um, and he gets caught at uh, long one. 
feet long one right down the boundary, feel it to stretch out. So you just got hit for a six. What gives you the confidence um, to come back and bowl this slower um, again? And uh, is there any bluff involved in here that he might think that you may not do the same thing? Uh, what's going on here? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things I would say here. One is um, pretty much every time I'm walking back to my mark, whatever's happened in the previous delivery, I'm trying to work out in my head what is the last thing that the batsman is now expecting me to bowl. Hmm. Um, and what gives me the confidence to do it, I think, is an acceptance that you are going to go for boundaries in T20, particularly against people like Joss Butler. Um, you know, I pride myself on staying pretty calm on the pitch and pretty level-headed, so um, I don't tend to react much differently whether I've knocked someone's middle stump out of the ground or whether I've been hit out of the stadium. You know, it's, it's all part of T20 cricket. I don't get too carried away when I take a wicket. I don't get too down when I get hit for a boundary. So I think that's what gives you the confidence to... Um, bowl whatever delivery you plan on bowling the next the next ball, just because um, having done it for a long time, and um, when you're bowling at one of the best, most destructive batsmen in the world, an acceptance that you are going to go to the boundary. Hmm. Um, I want to have two follow-up questions on this. Uh, one, players like Joss, um, ABWs, um, that open up 360, right? So what good is setting a field and executing a delivery especially when they are, you know, near the top of the form. Uh, they don't have to be in peak form either. Um, how do you handle that? Is it just occupational hazard and then you move on? Like, uh, how, do you, how does one take it as a bowler? You have to accept that there are going to be days where they win. Um, it might sound defeatist, but, but they are very good players. That, that isn't to say that you don't try and minimise those days. And I think... For me personally, I can't speak for every fast bowler, but for me personally, the whole 360 degree thing is slightly less of an issue because of the amount of variety that I hold in the back of the hand slowball. I think to, to go across your stumps and try and paddle me over fine leg, when it could be a back of the hand slowball with no pace on it, um, is a slightly riskier option. So those kind of batters, I've not bowled a huge amount at AB, certainly not in the depth, but um, those kind of batters don't tend to uh, try and flick and paddle me as much as maybe they might do um, who, who bowls predominantly Yorkers with pace on or hard length of Yorkers with pace on. Gotcha. Um, there, is, there was an, uh, another video of you that I saw and you were in Nets with Nottinghamshire. Um, this is two and a half months before that particular season was starting and you were uh, practicing your slowest. Um and, uh, you know, one of the uh, deliveries you bowled, you walk back and you note to the coach that uh, it's the length that matters, the line not so much. Mm -hmm. Could you expand on that philosophy applied to slowers? I think my back of the hand slower ball, um, if I bowl it too short, it sits up and gets dealt with. If I bowl it too full, the batsman can almost readjust and it can, it can get dealt with. But if I get it on that perfect length, that is when it, it dips onto that length and the batsman can't quite get out in front to reach it but can't go back to it. Um, and, and the dip and the lack of pace can deceive them. And I think it doesn't matter whether that's just inside the wide line or at their heel almost. Um, whereas the length certainly does matter. Um, there are certain batsmen that I would certainly err on the wide side um, because when you bowl straight at them now, more likely to hurt you. But Certainly length for me with my backhand slow ball and my off-cutter are far more important than mine. Is that 
true for um, all the quick holders and the slower deliveries of the variations they have, is that true that they need to hit the absolute lengths that they want to hit uh, more than the line? Depends on the format, I think. I can remember one of my very first bowling coaches as a kid, um, adamant that, and this was pre-T20 days almost, um, adamant that line is the most important thing um, because if you run in with, with a red ball and you bowl a sort of half stump um, all day, then you, you know, you're probably not going to get hurt as much as if, you, if you're hanging it outside off stump, long and short and wide and that kind of stuff. So I think it probably varies from, from bowler to bowler. My personal philosophy is that, that, as I say, particularly with my slower balls, that length uh, is the most important thing. Uh, with pace on, it's essential to bowl straight. Hmm. If, if you don't bowl within the width of the, if I don't bowl within the width of the stumps, with pace on the ball, it's going to disappear. Is there anything called, uh, quote unquote, being found out uh, when it comes to uh, quicker bowlers with a lot of variations? Because uh, I want to specifically bring up a name, uh, former, uh, former England, still playing the Surrey, Jake Dunbar. You know, he had the pace, he had the variations, he had a quicker slower ball and a regular slower ball and all kinds of tricks. Uh, back of the hand, uh, beautiful. But his highs were quite high and his lows were very low. Uh, and for the person with that kind of talent, he played only three years for England and hasn't played. You know, is there anything called being found out? I think it exists in the game, but I wouldn't say Jade is an example of that person. Mm. I still think he's one of the best death bowlers in England. Um, and probably should have played more international cricket than, than, he, than he ended up playing. Yeah, there are cricketers that come along and um, they find it harder in their second or third season because everyone sort of gets used to it a little bit. And that's always something that you've got to be wary of, wary of as a cricketer and try and keep developing. Just keep trying to add another string to your bow. So uh, that is important. But um, as I say, for me... Uh, I think probably Jade gets more criticism than he deserves. I still think he's a, a, a real high-class bowler, particularly in white ball, but actually in white Let's switch uh, to the other delivery I wanted to talk to you about. Yorkers. I was listening to an interview with Jasprit Bumrah where he said, yeah, I can bowl the Yorker, and you know, so everybody expects me to bowl an over of Yorkers or a whole spell of Yorkers. He said... Bowling a single Yorker takes a lot out of your body. Could you explain what is it? What, what does he mean by that? Well, I think it's a bit of an effort ball, and you're actually striving to bowl it fuller as well. So um, there's a bit more of a delay in your bowling action um, in order to, to get it fuller. So I would agree with that, actually. Um, it, 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 it's harder on your body than probably any other delivery. Um, and I would also agree with him that I think building a reputation for one particular delivery isn't a bad thing because everyone then expects you to just run in and bowl that delivery and um, you can sometimes play up to that. There is also a notion that if you have a um, sort of slingy action, it's uh, it's more suited to bowl Yorkers. Um, then, once again, going back to Bumrah, he's got a ramrod straight arm uh, coming over the top. So, uh, what is... Your understanding of, I mean, because you're an exponent of Yorkers, so what does it take to bowl a Yorker, effective Yorker, consistently? The number one thing is practice. You know, regardless of what your action is, um, practice, practice, practice. You know, I practice Yorkers more than anything else, um, even though in a game I might only bowl three or four. 
um, because it's such an essential ball for me in T20 cricket to have in your army. So, yeah, I, I practice a huge amount, and that is, that is by a long way the number one consideration. And then I think after that, finding your way, which you do through practice. So experimenting. Um, some people find that a lower arm, slinging arm helps them. Some people find that lifting their chin up in their run-up helps them. Some people find slowing their run-up down helps them. Some people find holding their breath helps. Some people find focusing on the top of the stumps rather than the base of the stumps or somewhere on the pitch might help. So there are so many different ways that you can um, play around and try and find a method that works for you. And I think just through hours of practice, you work out your method. Um, and not only do you work out your method, you, you hone it and you become you become good at it. I think it's an extremely difficult ball to bowl, and I, think, I don't think people realise how hard it is to bowl. Hmm. So to give you an idea, from the point where you release the ball, if you were to draw two lines a metre apart either side of the crease, i.e. a metre length, which would be sufficient to your which is probably generous, but that's say we did that. The angle between your release point and the front line and the back line, where it could potentially pitch, is narrower than the bullseye for a dart player mm. because of the, the distance to the ball from the end of the ball. So, yeah. and if you think how many times Phil the Power Taylor would hit a bullseye <laughs> out of 100, the best in the world mm-hmm. ever, um, that gives you an idea of, of the margin for error you have as a bowler volume worker. So, if you expect to sit in a bowler's meeting and have an analyst tell you that you need to bowl your because of this particular bloke and then to go out onto the pitch and be able to execute that without having done hundreds of hours of practice, then you're going to be disappointed more often than not. So I have a cushion, a, uh, a boundary, a triangular foam boundary board that we use in the UK with sponsor name on I nicked one of them. I, I put that along the crease uh, and every practice session I, I go through all my variations and at the end I have to hit that target ten times before I finish. Sometimes it takes me four or five overs. Sometimes it takes me fourteen balls. It just, it just depends. Uh, at this point, I want to tell the listeners to actually go look up on YouTube of you practicing that. It's there. Uh, I was going to ask you about your training techniques for uh, Yorkers. Because uh, uh, so you have that target uh, similar to what uh, Malinga says uh, about hey, putting shoes on the crease and different lines and. You know, different depths of the crease. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was Malinga that sort of inspired that method of practice. I see. Uh, however, um, batsmen, they're moving, uh, you know, ahead or going way deep in the crease, like someone like Kyle Pollard or Hardik Pandya, or most of the batsmen these days go very deep in the crease to combat that Yorker menace. So, what do you do as a bowler to stay one step ahead? Uh, in practice, um, I don't change that. I, I, I just practice for the line because actually what I'm trying to get out of that practice is a confidence that I can land the ball at, on, on a target uh, and I'm putting myself under pressure to achieve that within as few balls as possible. Uh, in a game, what you find is that you just naturally adjust. Um, and if you're giving yourself, as I say, the angle I talked about of a metre, um, that gives you a fair bit of of, of leeway of someone hanging backwards forward. I mean, and given that it's a hard delivery to bowl, uh, is it easier, so to speak, uh, with an older ball? Um, why don't we see, um, you know, 
bowlers bowling yorkers with the new ball. I think Malinga kind of does in swinging yorkers. But otherwise, it's almost you know, well. I'll just use the conventional swing, hit the good length. Um, but why don't people try uh, yorkers with the new ball? I think there's probably a couple of reasons. Firstly, as you touch on now, slightly harder to bowl with the new ball. The new ball slightly harder to control with the older ball. Uh, but it's still possible, and I occasionally do it. I think the other consideration is when you've got a new ball in your hand and you've got two sweepers out, um, quite often it'll be maybe third man and deep square, or maybe deep square and deep cover, or whatever, depending on who, the, who you're bowling at. And therefore, if you miss your Yorker by 12 inches, um, you're going to disappear down the ground for, for four or six more often than not. Whereas at the depth, you've got protection there. So... Um, it makes it a slightly different consideration. Plus, as you say, the new ball, a little bit of seam movement and swing potentially, so bowling that more traditional length can sometimes lead to a You mentioned about uh, the margin of it, I mean, what the target that you're trying to hit uh, compared to the bullseye on a dark board. Um, so is it fair to assume that that's the one hardest to execute and hence, not hence, um, has the smallest margin of error? Um, what... Which of those uh, variations, um, outside of you know, whatever your stock delivery is, good length or back length, whatever, um, which of those variations give you the most margin of error, which of them have the least margin of error, and which one you have the most confidence to bowl on at any given moment? I think the Yorker is the hardest to get right consistently, but I think it's also, when executed correctly, the most effective. So, you have to work out in your head whether you think it's it's worth attempting to bowl what is a more deli- difficult delivery with a lower margin of error, knowing that if you execute it well, then you will have more success. I think that's why a lot of people shy away from yorkers, because they don't back themselves to execute it, and they know that if you don't execute it, then you're going to get hurt. Um, as I say, for me, it's it's the ball that I practice the most, because it's, it's the ball that, uh, when push comes to shove, if I'm under pressure and I'm undecided about what delivery to bowl, I will always err on the side of the Yorker. And, and having the confidence from practice to deliver that is essential. So which one has the biggest margin of error that you, let's say, if you fail to execute, um, you can still get away with it? It's a good question. Um, I think maybe depending on the day and the batsman and the dimensions of the ground, maybe something like a slow ball bouncer, you can bowl various different lengths from sort of hip high all the way through to head high and you might get the same result. I think with a Yorker that's wide on the wide line or just inside the wide line, you've probably got more margin for error with your length. You know, if you bowl a slot ball on Middlestone, you're probably going to go for four or six. If you bowl a slot ball just inside the wide line, mm-hmm. you might get skewed out to cover or uh, edge down to third man or hit out to long So you've got more margin when you uh, change the line of the Yorker. You're bowling on the stones. You've got no margin. Hmm. So your evaluation of risk um, of which delivery to bowl, obviously I'm assuming varies with the mat situation too. If you have six runs to defend of six deliveries versus 24 runs of six deliveries, what do you choose to bowl? It just entirely depends on the batsman and the, the pitch that are playing on the dimensions of the ground. But I think... Uh, those evaluations of risk, you might you might laugh at this, but I think I have played a lot of poker in my life, mm-hmm. and I credit um, 
Texas Hold'em poker for my ability to make good decisions more often than not on a cricket pitch because I do think that T20 is the most tactical format of the game and, and the most uh, most similar to a game of chess or a game of poker. So I would credit I would credit poker for that. It's a fascinating thing um, that you say. Most tactical form of the game, um, but when we listen to how the game is talked about by the laymen, the punters, um, even ex-cricketers in, on radio and television, newspapers, you don't see that um, appreciation of this sport. You know, it's played the same equipment, but an entirely different sport mm-hmm. in terms of managing risk and resources. Do you feel that you know, the sport is being done some severe injustice or uh, that, uh, why is that? Why, why don't we see better uh, illumination of the sport, of the strategies uh, involved? I think there's a, a traditionalist, a massive traditionalist fraternity within within our game that shuns T20 full stop. So you're never going to hear them credit T20 with being more tactical than anything more like the game. I read an article recently, uh, an interview with Ricky Ponting, where he, he described T20 as the most tactical tactical format of the game, but I think he still said that test cricket is the most difficult, which I would agree with, mm-hmm. um, without a doubt. Despite um, so having not played, I would, I would say that first-class cricket is, yeah. is the most difficult to be um, successful at, but actually when it comes to the heat of battle and the pressure cooker and, and tactics, um, T20 hands down, so it's probably starting to get more, more and more credit for that, uh, and that perhaps part of the reason why it's, it's been so hugely successful. Um, so we talked about slowers and yorkers. I want to marry those two things. Um, the slow yorkers, uh, slower yorker rather. Um, I want to talk about two deliveries. Uh, one that Malinga bowled um, in the IPL final, and the one, another one that uh, Jasprit Bumrah bowled to Sean Marsh. Mm. Would you like to break those two deliveries for me? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, Bumrah's round the wicket and it hits him actually on the full in the middle of the shin um, and it's 70 miles an hour rather than probably sort of you know, 85, 90 which Jasprit would normally bowl um, I mean you would have to ask him if he intended for it to be that full I would say it's unlikely that he intended to be quite that full but, but what you are always conscious of as a bowler or I personally am I've spoken to Dwayne Bravo about it um, and I think he would agree, you'd certainly rather be on the full side than on the short side with a slow ball. If you bowl a slow ball too short, unless it's a, a uh, intentional slow ball bouncer, it's more likely to sit up and, and, and get hurt. Whereas if you go full with it, you might get a little bit of dip. Um, and uh, you've got a, a bigger margin for error from that length than short. Okay. Here is uh, Malinga pulling the uh, last delivery of IPL 2019. What an unbelievable match. Yeah, just absolutely unbelievable. Such a, you know, the biggest stage in T20 cricket. It's, it, you know, Lassith is um, just a genius. He's, he's one of the best ever, ever death bowlers. And, and all I can say is, is that no matter how nervous you think he would have been, that stood at the end of his mark there, um, 
he would have been ten times less nervous actually stood at the end of his mark than we would be sat watching it. You know, you'd always rather be out there on the pitch with your ball in your hand because um, I can only speak from personal experience, but I've heard other people say the same. You aren't really nervous in that situation out on the pitch, but all your friends and family are in the stands <laughs> beside themselves. So, yeah, again, he's running and bowled his off-cutter. Um, it's on the full side. And... Um, what an incredible moment I mean it's just you know once in a lifetime um, watching those two deliveries uh, for me one Sean Marsh uh, he's playing for lunch so he's intent on defence mm. whereas um, the IPL game the batsman needs two runs of one ball to win the game so he's intent on attack mm. and both of them beat the batters quite convincingly mm. so what is what is it that you're seeing that allows them to beat whether the batsman is on offence or defence and the field. It's difficult to say out of context because um, Lassith would have known on that night what kind of deliveries had been most effective on that pitch. He would have known, um, having bowled at those batsmen before, what their strong areas are, where they're looking to hit you. Um, and the other thing is as well, with, when it comes to the whole pressure thing, in some ways, the fact that they needed two off the last ball is better than if they needed four or six. Because as the bowler, no one is going to vilify you if they get those two runs. But if you stop them getting them, as Lassith did, then you're a hero. Um, whereas if they need five or six off the last ball, and you get hit out of the ground for six, then you're potentially a bit more of a villain. So, um, yeah, but I mean, God, what, a, what, what an amazing game of cricket and what an amazing climax to what is a, an amazing competition. Alright, I would like you to break down one more uh, YouTube clip here, which is of you bowling for knots uh, in a teacher talent class. This is where uh, you took a 4 for 4 for 17, I believe. So, I'm going to play the video and then you can break it down. I can link it uh, in the show. Yeah, so this is T20 Finals Day 2017. Um, we'd got 190 on the board, which was a big score. And. Um, my first wicket was Dom Sibley back of the hand slow ball which just sort of dipped on him um, my second wicket was an off cutter to, to the Grandhom who um, chopped onto his stumps and then I got Hayne out who was sort of their last hope really with a, uh, an attempted wide Yorker which ended up being a low full toss but he skewed to mid off and then um, a back of the hand slow ball at the end um, which which Thomason tried to sort of sweep and just top edged up to the keeper you know it was it was it was one of those days where um, things went my way. My variations were effective, um, and it was on the biggest stage for domestic cricket in the UK. So uh, a day that I've got very fond memories of. Uh, you know, having picked up three wickets in the semi-final as well. Uh, yeah, really proud of that. Fantastic. On that note, Harry, thanks a lot for being on the show. I appreciate your time. Cheers, mate. Pleasure.